Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And Lord, we are excited about what you would share with us tonight. Lord, help us to learn it, to, to, to apply it. Not just to be hearers, Lord, but let us prove this word and uh, walk it out in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I, I like what you were just sharing about everybody's a minister because Jesus was looking out over the Samaritans who were coming to meet him after he spoke to the woman at the well. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I think the way sometimes we've done it in church honestly has kept the laborers few. And uh, I, I have... Um, I have been, you know, a part of the church through the 80s and 90s and, you know, watching Christian television and, and seeing how we've done things. And uh, I think the reason that we've kept the laborers few is because a lot of times it has been about either a man being anointed, somebody who's special, who's called of God. Um, and, and, and so because of that, what we'll do is we'll see somebody who has signs following them, like we spoke of last week, and we'll exalt them and put them up on a pedestal, and we'll always look to them for, for the things we need. But we need to remember that the signs confirm the message he speaks, not necessarily the person. So if you remember, uh, you know, there's been a lot of people who had supernatural ministries, but then you'd find out that maybe they were unfaithful with the money or something like that, because the signs did not confirm the person confirm the me- confirm the message and so we, we can't throw away the message just because somebody didn't do right but but uh, we don't want to exalt somebody up because the truth is yeah he's anointed he's called but so are you the spirit of God lives in you you are the temple of the Holy Ghost uh, and then the other thing that we've done is instead of making it about oh and and, and I'll, let me back up because I the when when somebody is the guy and he's on the pedestal and he's anointed, according to Ephesians 4, that person is an equipper. We've made them somebody that we want to go and see their anointing, but he's an equipper. When an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist come to town, not only should he do his apostolic work and prophetic, but he should also teach you, teach the body how to operate in that. And And he should not just leave... Uh, the gifts of an apostle. He should actually leave apostles. He should leave prophets. Prophets should rise up in town. He should equip the body for the work of the ministry, equip the saints, because everyone's a minister. The other thing that we've done uh, is uh, we've made it all about a sovereign act of God. And we've looked at great outpourings, you know, like over the last several decades, we talk about Brownsville still today, or the Toronto outpouring, and these types of things. And... and uh, there are legitimate moves of God where there's supernatural times and miracles happening, but I think as a result, what will happen is we'll come and we'll pray because we'll want that exact thing duplicated. And see, that's just not for us to to accomplish just because we want it. That's something that, that God is working on. There's a lot of circumstances that we don't know. 
And so what happens is we keep showing up and asking God to do basically what he's already told us to do. We're saying, oh, God, show up and do miracles. And he's saying, I told you to go lay hands on the sick. I told you to preach the gospel, right? So, so there are many supernatural things that God does among us, but we can't make them happen just because we want them to. But I believe that any Christian can exercise kingdom authority and minister power anytime the need arises. And I base that on two things, that Jesus did it, and Jesus told his followers to do it. Okay, so because of that, um, and this, I just want, to, I just want to make clear, I'm not speaking badly against, you know, a move of God or or different things as He moves among us as a group or in other, what we would call outpourings or revivals. Those are great, but what I'm speaking of here is that you are the temple, you carry this glory inside of you, and and how we can exercise this right now, and um, I spoke last week and I just said for this year I'd been in a study. Where I just, you know, and it wasn't, honestly, it's not really a study. It's not like I've been going into concordances and commentaries. But what, what I've been doing is I've been reading through First and Second Corinthians and through the book of Matthew. And I would see things about the supernatural, about the power of God, about how you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, about how, how people would minister the power of God in a way that uh, was a little different than what I've seen us kind of doing all the time. And so as what I would do is I would see a point and I would I would write it down and uh, I would find all these verses that just confirmed it and I would meditate on these verses. Uh, for instance, I would, uh, some of the things I'll, I'll share tonight, I've got 15 points. I'm not going to share 15 points, I promise. <laughs> but, but, but um, you know, the power of God is given. It's not earned. The Holy, the power comes with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is giving. He's not earned. Some different things like that, just to kind of put things in perspective, which gives us freedom to operate in the supernatural. And so we'll, we're going to cover some of that a little bit. And uh, I just want to give a little testimony. Um, every year for about the last 20 years, I used to live in Georgia. And in Georgia, I noticed like in the mid-90s, I started getting these allergies. My eyes started itching. And when I moved to Knoxville, honestly, it just got worse and worse and worse like so many people in Knoxville have, right? And, uh, uh, I mean, my eyes would like just be big and pink the first time it happened. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was allergies. It freaked me out. I found out I could put those eye drops in and it would go down. But uh, it just it got just really bad to the, for probably the last seven years. Every year I could just count on getting a sinus infection, which, you know, just a, a low-grade fever that just saps you of energy. And, and uh, this year meditating on, on these verses and stuff. I had no problems with allergies. I had, I had a, a few sneezes, a minor itching once or twice, and no medicine, no eye drops, no nothing. I'm like, because the Word works. And, and it'll work for me, it'll work for you, it'll work for Steve Stunning, the super evangelist. The Word works. And um, so let me just kind of hit real quick a couple of high points of last week. Last week, I laid out what I believe is foundational to walking solidly in the supernatural. In Mark 12, 24, Jesus said, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. See, if we have just the power of God and no Scriptures, we'll be wrong. If we have just the Scriptures and no power, 
will be wrong. But we need to grab onto both the Scriptures and the power of God. And in that, we will be right. And so uh, it's not one or the other. We need both. And in fact, properly understood and appropriated, the Word of God is the power of God. Right? Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Yeah, That's why somebody needs to go out and proclaim the word in power to those who are lost. Because that word goes out in power and it goes into their life and it creates a new creation. Now that word is power to them as well. But for those who are darkened and have not had that proclaimed, it's, it's foolishness. But the gospel is the power. And then last week, like Pastor James uh, mentioned, we, I said we need fixed points of reference to navigate our life. Psalm 119.89 says that the word of God is that fixed point of reference. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. The uh, King James and the NASB says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The unseen world is the foundation for this visible world that we see. It's the more real reality. That's why we are told to affix our eyes on things that are uh, unseen, not on the things that you see, because the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that you see are temporary. They will change. If you can see it, it's going to change, no doubt. And uh, we went through some scriptures about the rich man and Lazarus. Remember the rich man... um, uh, he died and he went to Hades and uh, and Lazarus died too. And uh, he, when he was there talking to Abraham, he said, Abraham, Father Abraham, please send Lazarus back to my family to tell them not to come to this place. And Abraham pretty much said, no, let him believe the scriptures. If he won't believe the scriptures, he will not believe even if somebody raises from the dead. God exalts his word above experiences. All of our experiences need to be discerned and understood according to the word. Uh, we talked about the Emmaus Road. You remember on the Emmaus Road, Jesus actually hid his appearance from the disciples as he walked along. And it said he went through the scriptures, through the Psalms and the prophets, and he shared with them. And their hearts were burning within them. And then they realized it was him, and he disappeared from their sight. And he, what he did was he hid the experience so that he could plant them in the Word. And from that place in the Word, now they could understand the experience. Had they had the experience, they would have ran back and they would have been like the women saying, we saw him and we saw his nails and in his hands and all that, and, and it wouldn't have produced faith. It was an experience. But having that experience rooted in the Word, now there was faith to believe there was something solid to hang on to. So what I want to do is I, I want to just talk about, uh, I'm going to start with where we're at now. Um, my study... Uh, Ended up with my notes. I started off with this verse right here in Luke chapter 6, 17 through 19. And this is talking about Jesus. It says, He came down with them, which is the twelve, and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Okay? And those who are troubled with Unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Okay? Power came out from him and healed them all. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get you to say something with me, and I promise 
this is not controversial. This is not fringe. This is this is solid. I, I'm, I'm going to get you to say it with me, and I'm, then I'm give me a chance to prove it from the word. Okay, but I want you to say this. I want you to say, "Power comes out from me and heals them all." Ready? Power comes out from me and heals them all. Now, I'm not saying that maybe you've experienced it like some people have. Maybe you've experienced it to a degree. Maybe this is just capturing our imagination to see what could be. But think about it. Power comes out from me and heals them all. Can you see yourself like that? Say it one more time. Power comes out from me and heals them all. Every time Jesus sent out the disciples, he told them to proclaim the gospel and to heal the sick. Did he not? John 7, 38 and 39. It talks about the spring of living water. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Who believes in him? I believe in him. Okay. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, God's power is connected with God's Spirit. God's Spirit will flow out of your heart like a river of living water. John 14.12, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Right? And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. I loved what you said, James, when you are preaching. I think two, three weeks ago, and you're talking about, let's just do the works. And let's, not, let's, let's not speculate about what the greater works are until we start doing the works. You know, it's funny, I've, I've heard uh, a lot of people comment on this, and it seems like every commentary goes to the greater works because they want to try to rationalize and say, well, it's greater in number, but not magnet, whatever. I'm like, Let's just talk about the works. I mean, he went around doing good, healing all, everyone. He set people free. He walked on the water. Why not? Why not? He spoke to the wind and the waves, and the wind and the waves obeyed. Why not? Okay, I'm, I'm not asking anybody to prove it tonight, but let's, let's imagine it. Let's, let's think about it. Can you see yourself doing that? Say it. Power comes out from me and heals them all. So... So uh, the river of living water, it, it's, it's, it's to flow out of us, and it's not, it's not us, it's the Spirit of God in us, right? Okay, but it's what God wants. It's what He wants. He wants this power just to be flowing so liberally among us that He made it, the Bible says in um, Romans, Romans 4, 4 or 5, it says, it is by faith that it might, was it by grace, that it might be faith, that it might be by grace, so that the promise is guaranteed to all the seed, basically everyone. He did it the easiest way possible so that he could share this with as many people as possible. So this leads me to my first point, which is a summary of several of my points in my little study, but it's this. The power of God is provided to us by grace grace it's a it's a grace thing the power of god is given not earned okay let's look at galatians chapter 3 of verses 2 through 6 it says this let me ask you only this did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith 
Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Hearing and faith, does that sound like salvation? The, the doctrine of salvation, when we tell people who want to come get saved, we say, it's by grace. By grace are you saved through faith. We are very developed in that area, in the church. Every, nobody would argue, it is by grace you are saved. It's nothing you can do. Somebody would say, I'm not worthy to come. I've got this sin in my life. We'd say, come. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't be clean enough to get it. Come as you are. Let him clean you up, Right? It's very developed in that. But here's a verse right here that is saying miracles are received the same way. It's saying the Holy Spirit is received the same way. It's by grace. You can't be good enough to earn the Holy Spirit. In fact, you need the Holy Spirit to make you holy. It's by grace. And so what we need to do is be very careful about even making our own laws. He was writing to people who were... uh, uh, the, after the people in Galatia where he was writing were saved, the Judaizers came. Those were the people who were part of the church, but they wanted everybody to keep the Jewish law. And so they were trying to get them to come back, keep the Sabbath, keep circumcision, keep the diet, all of these rules so that they could be part of the church. And Paul, this was, this was an argument in, in the, all through the book of Acts and in Galatians, especially he's saying no. No, no, no. If somebody preaches that you have to keep the law, let him be accursed. I mean, Paul called it another gospel. He said, no, it is by grace. And uh, now he's looking at them and he's saying, and you guys are trying to have miracles and the Spirit because you're trying to keep the law. You're trying to do all these things to the letter. He's like, no, it is by grace. Well, we need to be careful about making our own laws because there's a lot of laws, a lot of traditions that have been handed to us that would say you have to cross all these T's and dot all these I's and jump through all these hoops before you're worthy of the Spirit. And and some of it comes from real testimonies. Look, people have fasted and prayed and given their full attention to God, okay, and came to a point where the Spirit, they received the Spirit, okay? But it's because they've aligned themselves, because they got information, because they understood something. It's not because they got so good that now they deserve it, because we'll never deserve it. See, if you can fast enough, if you can pray enough, if you can worship enough or give enough for any of these things that we do, which are right to do, okay, make clear, we are right to do these. But if you can do these enough to somehow earn the Spirit of God or earn the right to do miracles, then you don't need to go in the name of Jesus. You should go in your own name. Right, But we go in the name of Jesus because it's Him. He's the one who's worthy. He's the one who's special. It's Jesus. But we are so blessed because we carry Him. It's grace. And by grace are you saved. By grace do you receive the Spirit. By grace does He work miracles among you. So, power is given, not earned. Okay, I said let me... Let me have a chance to prove these. Let me go through some scriptures. Luke 9.1, I said whenever he sent out the, the twelve, he would give them, tell them to heal the sick. He called them together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Gave them. Okay? 
Matthew 10, 7 and 8, and if you get that, I'm going to read it up here. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying. Give without pay. They received this power without paying. They didn't earn it. It was given. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit. Not a fear. Uh-oh. Now I'm going to wish I had printed out some notes because all of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm thinking that maybe this is, we're not supposed to follow signs, but this is maybe a sign from God to quit using this tablet that just restarted on me right in the middle of rocking and rolling here. <laughs> What's my next verse? Go ahead and put it up while it reboots. And, uh, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. The spirit is given, not earned. And uh, I do think I have a, a copy of my notes here. Oh, gosh, it's, is it? Eric, okay, it's coming on. Hold on. Now we got to do the password thing. I'm sorry. Pause, and I'll, I'll be right there. Without a keyboard, now I'm going to do it. <laughs> sorry, there's no fast way to do this. <laughs> I, was like, I was on a roll. <laughs> do, do, do. Well, oh, yeah, at the wrong time. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Awesome. Windows Office. So it boots faster at home. It's like when y'all are staring, it slows it down. <laughs> I feel like a pot trying to boil here. <laughs> Welcome back. Picked up where you left off. <laughs> okay. Where did I leave off? Okay. Um. I said I was proving to you the confession. Hey, let's just get back focus. Power comes out from me and heals them all. Say it with me. Power comes out from me and heals them all. Okay, power is given, not earned. And then, of course, Acts 1 and 8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive it. It doesn't say you'll earn it. You will receive it, okay? Power comes from the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Same thing that's promised to us, Luke twenty four forty nine. And behold, <clears throat> I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Back to Acts 1, 8, you will receive power when? After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay? The Holy Spirit is given and not earned. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, do your children earn gifts? They might think they're earning gifts, but are they really earning the gifts? No, you're giving it to them because you're gracious and you care for them. Okay, Just like you would give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Romans 5.5, 5, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, and it is God who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Okay, I've got a lot. I had to, I had to edit a bunch out. I mean, I, I, there's, there's so many of them. I just didn't want to like preach read through them over and over, you know, let two or three establish this, right? But, you know, if you want to study it, just 
they're, they're there all through. Galatians 3, 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? That's the one we started with all, uh, just reviewing it. Okay. The message, the Spirit, and the power are carried in our physical bodies. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We carry it, and it doesn't say we're strong, we're super, we're super smart. It says we're fragile, we're jars of clay. But He has chosen to put that spirit, that power, that message in us. Why? So that when we do a miracle, when we preach a word, when the captives are free, everybody will know that it's God, not us. God gets the glory when He uses us. Didn't He tell Israel, you know, I didn't choose you guys, choose you guys because you were the strongest and the most awesome. I chose you because you were weak and <laughs> dysfunctional. <laughs> and He says, I'm going to choose you and take the, the low things of the world and show myself strong, my glory in the things that are weak and despised, and I'll get glory for it. Lord, get yourself glory in us. Get yourself glory. Acts 3.12, why do you stare at us? This is a, uh, they just healed that man um, in, in Acts chapter 3 where, where he went walking and leaping and praising God like the song says. And Peter says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or piety we made him walk? See, it wasn't Peter. Peter knew it wasn't Peter. He was bold. He said, what I have I give you. But he's like, then he turns around and says, what are you looking at me for? It wasn't me. It was him. It was faith in his name. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Yeah, the temple of God. You know, you, you know if somebody wants to get, get to reach God, they don't have to pil- make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They just have to come find you. you you're a lot closer. <laughs> they can come and, and they can reach God. If they can get to you, they can get healing. If they can get to you, they can get salvation because you have the message. Yeah, if you're saved, you have the message because you heard it. Yeah, you have the message. They, they can get to you. They can get to God. So what I want to do now is, is uh, anyway, let me ask you, did I prove that? Did I prove that? Okay, power comes out from me and heals them all. These are ordinary people in the book of Acts. This is Peter who just denied him and all this stuff, and they're doing this stuff. Uh, Paul was a murderer. Yeah, he was an intellect. He was smart. But he said, I count that all rubbish compared to surpassing uh, not uh, p- knowing him, right? It, it's not because these men were were just the slickest thing, and God needed them. He chose, you know, twelve dysfunctional fishermen and common people, and uh, even even Paul, who though he was educated and all this, he said, "I had to let it all go because through wisdom," he said in First uh, Corinthians, I think, "through wisdom, God has ordained that you will not know Him through wisdom, <laughs> through God's wisdom." He's decided that you will not know him through man's wisdom. So, so you you got to just check all that stuff at the door and throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, by your grace, I will step out, I will lay my hands on, and I will trust that the power comes out of me and heals them all. Now, I just want to talk real, real practical about just how to do it, okay? And again, I am not talking about like a special... Um, Special thing. Well, do you remember in a, in a, when Paul was in Ephesus in Acts 19? It says Paul was doing extra. God was doing extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul, and it was talking about like prayer handkerchiefs, and it goes on and talked about all kinds of stuff that was happening then there. But 
those were extraordinary things. But the ordinary way that God heals, moves, is what you see over and over in the ministry of Jesus is laying on of hands and a word of command. That's simple. Laying on of hands and word of command. You lay on hands, you don't even have to touch the afflicted part. Okay? Just laying on of hands. When Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with the fever, he didn't put his hand on her fevered brow. doesn't say that. He touched her hand. And then the fever left her, okay? Laying on of hands and command. Jesus' prayers for healing were often very simple. They were, go, come out, be healed. According to how you believe, let it be that way for you. I mean, that was his prayer. Go. So when you give a command, what do you do? You, you tell it what to do. If it needs to go, tell it go. If it needs to get healed, say be healed. You tell it what to do. And the other thing we do is we, we, uh, we don't beg God to do it. If we're going to minister like Jesus and the apostles, you don't see anywhere in the New Testament where they pray and ask God for healing. You speak a word of command. That's how the power is released. That's how God releases His power. We looked at that yet, uh, last week. When He wants to get something done, what does He do? He sends a word. Uh, he sent His word and it healed them. Right? He, Peter said, hey, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. He said one word, come. And then next thing you know, Peter's walking on water. On come. I mean, he didn't have to, you know, it wasn't a big thing. Uh, Rinkim knows somebody back in India, and uh, she was, uh, she had diabetes. And um, and she asked uh, us to pray for her and, and minister to her. Am I getting this right? That was, that was where we're at, yeah. And and it was it was so fun because... Were you translating for me? Yeah, that's what it was. She was translating for me because she didn't speak English that well. So I'm preaching to Rin Kim and she's preaching to her in Kuki. So we're we're going we're going around and I'm just sharing some of these things with her and I'm trying to declare them with power and authority. And I said, so, you know, now let me pray. And we prayed and I commanded that thing to go in her body to be in line with the Word of God and it wasn't too so long. And then we, I was done. And she's, she said, that's it? I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm faced with a situation because she wanted us to go on until, you know, I don't know what she wanted. She, she was hungry for it. It was good that she wanted the word, but I had already spoken. And I'm not going to go back on that word. I spoke a command. Boom. I said, yeah, that's it. Doesn't have to be long. It was in faith. It was, it was right. It was, and, uh, and so she talked to her some more, though, and, uh, and uh, you know, honestly, a little while later, we hear this terrible report that she's in the hospital, and it got really bad, and I'm like, what? No, I spoke a word. <laughs> I'm not backing off my faith just because I get some report. I don't know where that report came from, because as far as we can tell now, she, she wasn't admitted to the hospital. She never went to the hospital, did she? Or did she go back... And she has no symptoms of what she was facing. <laughs> it's just funny how, how the situation is not always what it seems. If I would have taken that false report, which was a false report, and listened to it and backed off what we took a stand for, where would she be? I don't know. You know, it depends on how much she's standing for herself and how much we're standing for her. Because you can stand for somebody else. The man who came, uh, who had the servant, the centurion, he came to Jesus on behalf of his servant. So we're standing for her, not knowing if she's standing in her own faith. We can stand for 
one another. So we're standing. So I, I'm like, this is important that I not back off of this. And uh, I refused to back off of it. And the uh, next thing we heard, that whole report about her being in the hospital wasn't even true. never even happened. And as far as we know, she has no symptoms and no problems of the thing. That, that Praise God. It's awesome. And so... Um, what we, it was just funny though, because I don't know what she wanted. I guess, you know, she wanted us to surround her and pray and, you know, whatever that we're kind of used to. But in, in, you just don't really see that in the ministry of Jesus or the ministry of the apostles. And that's not to say we shouldn't pray or can't pray. And sometimes we don't know how to pray or even what to command or speak. So, you know, I'm not saying not to pray, but when it comes time to actually speaking to that thing and taking authority over it, a command sometimes is stronger than, than begging God to do something that really He's already done. Because what's God going to say? He's going to say, by my stripes you were healed. And you say, oh God, please just pour whatever, whatever. And he's like, by my stripes you were healed. He's not going to say something different because it's, it's in here. It's settled. It's a established, fixed point of reference. Will not change. We can navigate by it. Okay? As an ambassador, you represent God to the people as his ambassador. And uh, this is one, obvious to be honest with you, um, in praying for people, sometimes I've, I've struggled to do this because I, I, I you know, you, you get this idea sometimes that you're being arrogant or proud or something, and you're not. You're not. You're humbly representing God at that moment. You're his ambassador. And, uh, you know, an ambassador, here, Jim, let me, let me just... You know, stand up here with me. I just want to tell you, you know, sometimes, you know, if Jim came here for prayer, I, my tendency would be like, you know, to put my hands on like this and look to God and say, oh, Lord, we come to you on behalf of Jim kind of thing, right? But, but what you're doing when you're ministering a command, you are representing God. At that moment, you are representing God. You are speaking in his name, right? So you aren't going to God for Jim at that moment, you are representing God to Jim, and you're saying, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Do you see the difference? And in, thanks, thanks. It's, it's a different mindset, right? It's not just an action of how you're going to pray, but it's a different mindset. Jesus has already established the fact that he wants these things done. Miracles, deliverances, all these things. And the power of God is in you. This is how you let it out. This is how you poof, just put it into action, okay? It's not to say that God doesn't do other things. Sovereignly, as we worship, people can be healed. As we minister the word, people can be healed. But when it comes down to it, if you need somebody says, I need you to pray for this, this is a good way to start because it's biblical. It's solid. It's sound. Okay. Um, you know, and I've heard every extreme out there. Um, and I, what, what, which really is not so much a formula. What it is is you just need to convince yourself that what I've been saying is true. Jesus wants you healed. You're his ambassador, and he's given you authority. And just settle that. Convince yourself of that. Um, because I've heard, I've heard everything out there. I've heard that, you know, it might not be um, God's will. And, uh, you know, why, why in the world would he just cause his son to be beaten to a bloody pulp, taking those stripes for your healing on his back, and then now say, it's not my will? It makes no sense at all. Of course it's his will. He would have never let Jesus go through that if it were not his will. I've also heard um, uh, that God heals our spirits and not our bodies. 
I was driving in a car one time and I heard the song on the radio and it was singing about by his stripes we are healed and all this. I'm like, this is a good song. I'm turning up, I'm listening. And then they, they're going on and all of a sudden they tag it with, God's still healing hearts today. And I yelled at the radio. I said, this is what's wrong. Healing hearts. No, we're talking, this verse is about physical healing. Quit trying to make it about healing hearts. He came to heal bodies. He healed people's bodies. It's in the atonement. He, he took the stripes to heal our bodies, not just to heal our hearts, right? He heals our hearts. Yeah, but it's, it, don't just dismiss it. You know, uh, I, the other one I heard was, uh, we, we, we live in a cursed world. It actually starts with, well, we live in a cursed world. Yeah, yeah, we live in a cursed world, but have you heard of the new creation? You're not of this world. You're of that world. If any man is in Christ, new creation. New creation, and you're supposed to bring from that world and impose it on this world that's hurt and broken and dying. So none of these things hold up. Um, the, the, the Let's see. It brings God glory when we bring His wise order and justice into the world. It brings God glory when people get healed. And what we need to do is get God's attitude about it. Listen to this. Healing is an act of warfare. From the mind of God, from the attitude of God, healing is an act of warfare. Why? Because His enemies are defeated when somebody gets healed. Healing is a sign, according to Mark 16. Pastor James covered that two weeks ago, and we spoke about it last week. Healing is an act of mercy. Do you remember when the blind man called out to Jesus, Son of Abraham, have mercy on us. Jesus said, what do you want? They said, that we might receive our sight. Right? They didn't say we want compassion, we want food, we, we want our sight. Healing and mercy go together. And um, But what we've done is it's, it's, it's an act of warfare. It's a sign. It's an act of mercy. But we've made it a reward for holy living. We say if you're good enough, long enough, and you, you know, go through all the things, then maybe God will heal you. But it's not a reward. It's by grace. It's in the atonement. If it's in the atonement, then it's always God's will for all people, and it's on the basis of what He did, not what we've done. Okay. In my circles, people who believe in healing, I've heard a lot of sermons on going back to that Isaiah passage and proving in the Hebrew and then looking at the Greek and the New Testament and proving that physical healing is in the atonement. And that's right, and that's good. But I'll make it really easy. Jesus' life and actions demonstrate what's in the atonement. The fact that He healed them all proves that that's what He came to do. If it's the atonement, again, it's by grace. Uh, I didn't give you these, James. Let me just read a couple of these verses in Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, 23 and 24. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So that his fame spread throughout all Syria. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. I mean, listen to how the, the words are here. I can go on. There's I'm, I'm two pages just through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, the uh, uh, Matthew 9, it says, He went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. I think the word affliction 
uh, in the Greek, if we, it'd probably be better to say torment. Every torment. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he sent out his disciples to do the same thing. But when you listen to these words, I mean, how many words do we need to show that he wanted to heal everybody? Epileptics, paralytics, those afflicted with diseases and pains, people who were crippled, who couldn't walk after they met him, could walk. People who were maimed, didn't have a body part. It grew back in his ministry. It grew back. This is what Jesus did, and this is what his disciples did. And this is what 72 others that he sent out did. This is what Jesus does in us. This is what the Holy Spirit in you will do. Because, see, the Bible says that in in the end of Romans 8, uh, if that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Can't get it. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, okay? It's not a different spirit. It's the same spirit that did all these miracles in Jesus' ministry, that did all these miracles with the apostles. That's the spirit that dwells in you. I don't know how to grow somebody's arm back, but I know how to put my hands on and say, be healed. Let the spirit do the work. He knows exactly what to do. Amen. One of the things that I, I began to share uh, last last week uh, is just that um, it's not necessarily uh, a lot. Let me say it like this: a lot of uh, what we what really is demonstrated as faith comes down to obedience. I, I mentioned it last week. Remember, the seventy-two went out and they came back and they said. Jesus, even the demons were subject to us in your name. Like they were surprised, right? Well, what they had was obedience. Do you remember Ezekiel and the dry bones? And, and uh, God took him up there and showed them the valley of dry bones. And he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel didn't know. He said, Lord, you know. It's a good answer. He said, prophesy to these bones that they might live. Did, did Ezekiel have faith that these bones would live? He just said he didn't know. But in obedience, he says, bow bones, you know, come together, whatever. I can't remember the thing, you know, but joints and, and the, the elbow bones connected to the whatever. And then and then he prophesied, oh, breath, come in and breathe on these. He, he obeyed God because God wanted to do that. And God did it when somebody obeyed him. He's just looking for somebody who will obey him. Just looking for somebody who obey him. And you know what? Uh, can I just can I read you guys just one thing in closing? It it take me about four minutes probably, but it, it's just something I wrote just during this time about um about healing. Do you mind hearing it? Okay. And and uh, it's just a a little thing I wrote, several paragraphs, all based on the scripture. And it says, "Why am I so healed?" Okay. I'm gonna tell you why am I so healed. You are healed. And I want to read this because I just think it's good. One of the things we just need to do is get the tenacity that we're going to stand for this, and that's it, period, because God provided. Sometimes it stirs up a little aggression, but sometimes we need to. Like I said, healing is an act of war, right? It's an act of war. You are healed because it is the Lord who works in you, both to desire and to carry out everything He likes. Your desire to be free from sickness and pain is from His heart. Because Jesus carried it on the cross, you know that the defiance in you toward any weakness or pain is from God. That He is working in you is evident. That He completes what He starts is a fact. That is why you are healed. 
You are healed because you stand firm and receive the promises of God. You are not of those who turn back to fear in fear to destruction, but of those who endure and are rescued by God. You are of those who stand their ground against God's enemies. David had no special word from God about the giant, but he knew God's heart. How dare this thing speak blasphemies against the living God? I will take off his head. God overcomes his enemies. I'm going to go pray. Go pray in a minute. <laughs> I think he's okay. God overcomes his enemies by the hands of those who are willing to stand for him. That is why you are healed. You're healed because nothing shall by any means harm you. You have received authority to tread upon all the power of God's enemies. Sickness is the enemy of God. If it enters your body, it's destroyed and driven out by the life of Jesus that is manifested in your flesh. You touch the disease and it will not harm you. You are not afraid of it. You shake the viper off into the fire and it does not harm you. God's life and the Holy Spirit power that reside within you are the constant life source for your body. That is why you are healed. You are healed because Jesus has given you the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit and the right to use that power to accomplish his will on the earth. You are healed because he is faithful that promised. You are healed because he keeps his word. You are healed because his word is forever established in the heavens. You are healed because he is faithful. You are healed because Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father and has defeated the powers of sickness and death. He has made an open spectacle of them, triumphing over them in his death, burial, and resurrection. Sickness has no power over you. That is why you are healed. You are healed because God's word is true and it applies to you. You are healed because you have the good treasure of life in the storehouse of your heart that you bring out with your words. You speak to the mountain and it obeys you. The positive expectancy in your spirit overwhelms all opposition through your speech. That is why you are healed. You are healed because Jesus holds all authority regarding the matter. Your adversary, the devil himself, flees every time you oppose him. The Holy Spirit inside of you is greater than anything that you will find in this world. You are healed because Jesus is a liberator and he came to set you free from satanic oppression and to heal you. He did it. That is why you are healed. You are healed because he sent his word and it heals you. You are healed because his message is life, his gospel is power, his sayings are medicine, and his word is healing. You are healed because you have chosen to fix your eyes on Jesus rather than on the short-lived things that appear in the world. You have fixed your eyes on the Alpha and Omega of our faith. Like Abraham, you are not weakened in faith by the appearance of temporary circumstances, but instead you grow stronger in faith and resolve every day. You cast down any thought or imagination that is less than complete victory and restoration for your body because Jesus took the whip and the nails to set you free. You are the reason he did it. Your healing is the joy that was set before him. Your deliverance kept him going. He could have quit at any time. He could have died at the whipping post before the price was paid. He could have called on the Father and 70,000 angels would have rescued him. But he endured so that you could be the one rescued. That is why you are healed. You are healed because you're a soldier of God and it's your duty to be healed. You are healed because of grace. You are healed because healing is provided in the atonement. And if it's in the atonement, then it is God's will for all people at all times. If it's in the atonement, then it is provided freely on the basis of what Jesus did. That is why we can say, because of what Jesus did, 
this healing belongs to me. If it's in the atonement, then it is on the basis of his goodness, not our good deeds. It's according to his holiness, not our acts of piety. It's according to his righteousness and not our efforts. Because your healing is in the atonement, it is given to you without condition and without restriction on the basis of grace and is received simply by hearing and believing. If Jesus paid for it, then Jesus wants you to be healed, and Jesus deserves the reward of his suffering. That is why you are healed. You are healed because your healing is God's initiative. Like the rest of salvation, it is of grace from start to finish. When there was no one to plead your case, he gave you an advocate. Where there was no one to reconcile you to him, he provided a mediator. When there was no one to rescue you from sin and all that it brought upon us, he gave you a savior. When there was no one to redeem your life, he himself provided the redeeming sacrifice. When there was no one to fight for you, he bared his arm and rescued you. God has taken responsibility for you. You are not your own. You have been purchased by God, and you bring him honor and glory in your physical body. That is why you are healed. Just, just need to have God's mind on it. And we establish ourselves in the word that this is true. And regardless of how we look when we pray or the form or how we stand or how we confess, we, the, I, the, the, the victory is in the fact that I will not back down until I have complete manifestation of this thing that God has paid for and provided for. And that is why we are healed. It's receiving what we hear by hearing and believing. Hearing and believing. Hearing and believing. And God does the work. The Spirit does the work. All right? Thank you so much for, for this time together. Uh, let me say a prayer, and then if there's anybody who wants prayer immediately afterwards, Pastor James, we'll, we'll be glad just to pray and minister healing, speak a command, however we need to do it. But I'm going to close us out in prayer here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what Jesus came to do. And thank you for your calling us and choosing us and commissioning us to go out and do your work. Thank you for this. Lord, let this become real in our minds. Let us be settled in this and help us to be ever present of the abiding Holy Spirit in us who wants to flow out of us like a stream of living water. Thank you for your word and thank you for your power and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.